0: Hello, welcome back. I'm Eric. And I'm Haley. And we are... Reels on Reels.
1: we had kind of an idea to do a poll for our viewers in order to decide what our theme would be. We were trying to decide between romantic comedies and 2019 Oscar nominees. So we we put together the poll for these two options and we put it out to our viewers and what we ended up getting back was an even 50 50 percent which is
0: really interesting
1: (laughs) (laughs) so we didn't get an actual answer just yet we did have one of our viewers suggested that she would let her dog be the tiebreaker the dog (laughs) That that she was watching interesting Yeah, she said something about putting out two different treats and assigning one of the options to each treat and then having the dog decide, and that would be the tiebreaker. least the hounds. Yes, so so I'm I'm definitely thinking that if we do a poll again and we get a 50-50 split, we should definitely go with that idea.
0: Well, we'll take you up on that one. Oh, yeah, next time,
1: definitely. So instead, since we did get the 50-50 split, we're going to do a hybrid with both... Things So we're going to do one romantic comedy and one Oscar nominee.
0: For this year, yeah.
1: Yeah. So let's go ahead and move into the 1993 romantic comedy, Sleepless in Seattle.
0: Sleepless in Seattle. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan.
1: Yeah, I had never seen this one before. Like, I'm, I'm not usually the one to watch a lot of romantic comedies. That's not definitely my genre of choice. Yeah. So this was my Yeah, of course. It's definitely your yours. (laughs) So you had no problem doing a romantic comedy section for this podcast. No, not at all. But yeah, this was my first time seeing it, and I know that Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan teamed up years later after this one for another classic romantic comedy, You've Got Mail. You've got mail, yeah. Yeah. And that one's directed by the same writer and director who did Sleepless in Seattle. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Nora Ephron, I think her name I believe was.
0: that's her name, yeah. yeah. I think there might have been another movie too. Well, that they she, were
1: with them together or just Meg Ryan? Just,
0: it, maybe it was just Meg because Ryan. Because I know there's Nora Ephron also
1: wrote When Harry Met Sally.
0: Yeah, okay, yeah. And she no, didn't direct that,
1: that one, but she wrote She wrote
0: it. that one, and that was with, um, what's his name? Um, was it Billy Crystal? Billy Crystal, yeah.
1: That's another one I haven't seen, so maybe another episode. Yeah,
0: there you go. We can review that next time too.
1: <laughs> but yeah, circling back around to <laughs> Sleepless in Seattle. So, you had seen this one before, right?
0: I've, I saw when it came out.
1: Yeah, back in the day. So,
0: back in the day, yeah.
1: Yeah, so what did you think watching it again?
0: Watching it again? You know, it, I think it held up for me. Yeah. I think it held up pretty well. Um, uh, there were a few things, but for the most part, like, I think it held up. Um, it, from what I remember, like, I really enjoyed it, Nice, I enjoyed it this time around again. You know, um, but like I said, there just, there's just a couple of things that kind of stood out that didn't really stand the test of time
1: and those are probably the things that i picked up on immediately yeah
0: yeah but but you know overall um it held up i still enjoyed it you know the the comedy in it was still good especially the little kid he just makes me laugh every time
1: it definitely still so, hit all of the the beats that i see for romantic yeah. comedies it hit all those notes for the most part
0: yeah it and it was a very interesting story and and how it unfolds and you know so, I mean, some things are just a little questionable nowadays, but I'll let you get into that one. Oh, that yeah. Was, I have a lot to say about that. That was the thing that <laughs> you wanted to cover. So I'll oh, let yeah.
1: You, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll I'll touch on that point we'll as, as loosely yeah. as I can, but we'll get to it.
0: So, watching it for the first time from just what you've been hearing about it, if you heard much, what did you think of it?
1: Well, I hadn't really heard much about this one to begin with, moving on into it. I think I have more of an idea in my head about You've Got Mail because that one's just okay. a little bit, just a slightly more recent.
0: AOL and yeah. kind of like ties so into So
1: because thing. I had that in my head, when I heard the name Sleepless in Seattle, I was like, oh, that sounds kind of like a really long AIM username, you know? <laughs> so I was sitting here thinking, okay, how is the title of the movie going to tie in with the story? And so when I found out it was like a... Like a radio caller onto, like, a, a Dear Amy type thing. Yeah, like late tag night, line, oh, uh,
0: you're with Dr. Whoever.
1: Yeah, so I'm, yeah, this is Sleepless in Seattle, and I'm checking in to let you know what my relationship status currently is. So, yeah, and, that was that was kind of interesting to yeah. see that. I, I have to say, watching it for the first time, I was definitely more enthused with Tom Hanks' storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, every time it would go back to his side of the story, I was much more enthused with it than I was with a lot of the other aspects of it all okay I just found it really compelling because Tom Hanks is a treasure so he's <laughs> I remember <laughs> you saying that during the movie yeah <laughs> he's just so likable like e- yeah, like if well, if they had had any other actor play that character I don't know if the character would have been as likable
0: as Tom Hanks his delivery his facial expressions yeah. the way he reacts to the situation I mean it really it, it really does come across real well
1: yeah so I was I was instantly enthused with his character and his relationship relationship with the kid and i i definitely would have appreciated more of it from that like if the story had focused entirely on his side of the story i would have okay. been okay with
0: that instead of bouncing around a little yeah, bit, yeah instead okay. of going back
1: and forth but i understand the reason for why they were going back and forth yeah
0: it was it's 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 uh what the word i'm looking for a combined effort yeah i guess if you look at it that way
1: yeah if you're familiar with the story that will make total sense to you yeah.
0: if not you'll you'll find you'll find out yeah
1: Um, But, yeah, moving on to that, like, I was definitely more enthused with Tom Hanks' side of the story because every time we went over to Meg Ryan's side of the story, I just wasn't clicking with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, there's this one thing she does where she completely oversteps her boundaries. And she does something that in today's day and age is not cute. That's not cute. A little creepy. More than than creepy. (laughs) (laughs) It's very (laughs) stalker-like. And this is before the age of the Internet, but this is – it's like Uh Facebook stalking to – a whole, A whole other, other, level. other ball game, yeah. <laughs> so there's like, as soon as she did that, I was completely checked out of her character. Yeah,
0: well, that, that's that's what I, what I was talking about when I said it kind of didn't really stand the test of time because in today's society, that will not. That pass. ain't cute. Yeah, it wouldn't. <laughs> it would not
1: pass. And I think the only reason it was cute in the first place is because it was Meg, Meg Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because it makes you yeah, I mean, look good. <laughs> she's <Yeah>. cute, <laughs> and Meg Ryan just does this stalker thing for Tom Hanks, and he's like flattered by it because it's Meg Ryan.
0: <laughs>
1: she's cute, but and you stood
0: there, you just looked.
1: Yeah, but it's not cute. The actual act is not cute. <laughs> like, don't do that. Don't do that at home. Not no, cute. <laughs> don't don't try
0: this. Don't try this at all.
1: Definitely. Could, could and there's this one film that trouble. they talk about a lot in it and i, I forget oh. the title of the film that they were watching but a lot of the actions that they're doing is based off of that mm-hmm. i might have to watch that film now
0: just to see uh, okay I see what you're saying yeah
1: just to see what all the fuss was about
0: yeah i can't remember what the name of the film it was Cary grant and uh yeah i think it was Cary grant
1: yeah it was Cary grant i think yeah and uh, they they mentioned the title of the movie but for some reason i can't remember it but i'm walk gonna to remember to no, that's. No, I, that I don't it. think that was it. That's that's a I, totally different romantic film that we could have covered for this, but we yeah. did
0: not. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway, yeah.
1: But yeah, like it, it fits a lot of the beats of romantic comedies. And maybe, like I watched it once. I prob- Me personally, I probably wouldn't watch that one again. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's just not my thing.
0: Well, I don't think any romantic comedies it really is your thing.
1: There's some of them that work for me.
0: Yeah, the one with Justin Long. Which one's that? I don't know. I'm just saying. I know you <laughs> like him. <laughs> well, I
1: did. I don't know if I like him anymore. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. some romantic comedies that work for me. So, I wouldn't give, like, a huge blanket statement for that. Yeah. Like, I I quite enjoyed To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is this is the second time that we've mentioned this. We should
0: definitely review that. We
1: should do that at some point. Absolutely. And I, I loved Crazy Rich Asians, even though it was, like, super generic. We've seen this story before. But it was just so good. <laughs> It made me so happy to watch that one.
0: It was a fun movie. It
1: was very bright and colorful and it just fit all the emotions that played at my heartstrings.
0: There you go. Yes. We'll, we'll we'll review that one too. Yeah, in, we'll, in we'll get to that one in future episodes. <laughs> but but yeah, you know, um yeah, Seedless in Seattle. If you haven't seen it I say, you know, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah, you know, it might not
1: it might not stand the test of time for you either, but you might really enjoy it. It is considered yeah. one of those classics that everybody talks about. Yeah. So give it a shot if you haven't seen that one.
0: Yeah. I You know, going back into it, and I still remember certain things, you know, especially the ending. And it was, you know, kind of just kind of cute. <laughs>
1: yeah. By the time the <laughs> ending of Sleepless in Seattle rolled around, I was kind of... I was definitely invested in it a little bit more because yeah. I had been spending so much time. Which, by the way, it's a surprisingly long runtime. Like, feels like it goes on forever. I have to say,
0: it it did feel like it kind of ran a little long, considering yeah. how long the movie actually really is. Because it's
1: only an hour forty five. Yeah, and that's, if, that's pretty average. Now it felt like over two hours, short. though. Yeah. yeah,
0: some parts kind of maybe just slowed down a, bit. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, you know, movies do that. But yeah, by the time it so. gets to
1: the ending. I was just like, oh, yes, do the the cliché thing, please. Just do it. Just show it to me. (laughs) Show me the cliché thing. Yes, show up. Yes.
0: It's the cliché of clichés. Yes,
1: but it was okay because it's a romantic comedy, and those are the beats that it hits that I'm talking about. The payoff was good. Yeah.
0: It's totally worth it. So Mm -hmm. if you're into that, you know, sappy, you know, kind of movies, like, you know, I enjoy them, not going to (laughs) lie. It's one of your favorite genres, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's just... It's one of those things that just makes me feel <laughs> kind okay. Of weird oh, and like goofy the butterflies inside. inside. Yeah. it's it's an escape. Ish, it's of. an escape.
1: Yeah. And that a lot of people go and watch movies for an escape, so you can't really blame them for that.
0: No, it's kind of like you know, it's you wish you know that.
1: I wish that's life how was this simple and everything would be worked you, out, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> so, I recommend it. You know, you know, just those little questionable things nowadays in today's society but yeah. I, I can get past that I mean it's, considering how old yeah. the movie is it's yeah yeah I can get past that just
1: I would definitely like to see You've Got Mail after that to and see we'll, how they we'll handle to, that we yeah. will
0: have to to rent I'll that see or it we'll check it out at the library or something like that we'll see
1: I'll see it eventually yeah
0: <laughs> I'll watch it with you again of course so and uh, the other one too which uh, one, When, when Harry, Harry Met, Met Sally, Sally? yeah.
1: I'll have what she's having. That's pretty much all I know about that
0: one. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, give it a shot. Yeah. You know, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. See what you think. Mm-hmm. You might enjoy it.
1: Should we move on to our next topic, the I, Oscar-nominated film? I think film. we should. Yes. So, the film that we chose to talk about for this episode is the one that's most readily available if you have a Netflix subscription. It is Roma, Roma. directed by Alfonso Cuaron.
0: Yes, guy Gravity.
1: Yes, Gravity. That was another one that we really liked uh, back Itou in 2013. Yeah. What was the other one he did? Uh, Children of Men. Children of Men. That yeah. one I haven't seen yet.
0: I'm not sure if I've seen that one or not.
1: That one's another one that I currently have on my list to watch.
0: Well, we will have to do that.
1: Yeah, but Roma is nominated for 10 Academy Awards at the upcoming 2019 Oscars. I think it's the 91st.
0: I'm not sure what what the number is, but what what is it nominated for?
1: It is nominated for... Let's see. Let me pull up my my paper here and see if I can read this. All right. So it is nominated for Best Picture, Best Foreign Language Film, Best Original Screenplay best right. cinematography, best director for Alfonso Cuarón, best actress for Yarita Aparicio and best supporting actress for what is this, Marina de Tavira, best sound mixing, best sound editing, okay. best production design. Lots of That's Oscar nominations. A lot. Yeah. yeah. I think it's one of the most most highly nominated films of this upcoming awards show it's it's pretty much up there with the favorite which is another one that we need to watch
0: yeah so how many of those is actually alfonso's
1: (laughs) well the film he shot it he's the director of photography Mm -hmm. he's the director he wrote the film and he edited the film so three of those are nominated nominated. writing directing and cinematography okay so good job there
0: so what do you want to hit up first regarding this movie.
1: Well, the first thing I would probably want to talk about would be the cinematography because I think that's one of the most striking things about the film. Okay. So, for one, it's shot in black and white.
0: Completely black and white, yeah.
1: And I thought it was very well done in black and white. It's, okay. There's like a nice... Um, I can't really think of the word I'm talking about here, but like even though it's black and white, it's a really nice blend of color.
0: I th- yeah, I think you're talking more, like, how the exposures are, maybe, yeah, well, and how it comes across.
1: In more layman's terms, you can still see, like, a nice rainbow of color despite it being in black and white. Okay, I got yeah. you. I <laughs> like, it's it's very rich, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, it's very rich, and...
0: Yeah, shot very well.
1: Yeah, and sh- being in black and white, it kind of ma- makes it seem really gritty realistic, even though mm-hmm. it's very artsy, the shots. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I th- black and I, white kind of does tend that, tend that like realistic feel to it. Yeah, it. it the you say grittiness? I don't know if they use that well, the I, I don't said, know if that's the word I'm looking but for, but
1: it just seems very real in a way, like it brought your, like, it down to earth. Yeah, it's like it's, and that's it's where right I get there.
0: Gritty, I guess. You know, it's right there. It's in your face. It's right in front of you, and if it, it feels like it's right there, so mm-hmm. like, I guess that's where you're, you know where you're trying to get with, yeah, with that. Yeah, because so. I,
1: know, I know a lot of people in my own personal life that probably wouldn't watch a film because it's in black and white today. Why not? I don't know. But I think that has a lot to do with it because it just makes things seem older in a way.
0: Well, I think if it's a time period. It, that it was.
1: Well, it kind of does. There's, Roma is set in 1970 and 1971. We had a good time trying to figure that out while we were watching it, all the context clues and everything, the yeah. cars, the outfits, everything.
0: Until the poster was shown.
1: Yeah. There's a poster that says, um, um, what team was it? Was c- it Madrid? Mexico. I said Mexico, Mexico. 70. Yeah. It's Mexico 70. And that's when we were like, ah, 1970. Yeah, 1970.
0: Okay. Or early, at least early seventies.
1: Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. But, but, um, another thing with the cinematography is that there's a lot of long lingering shots.
0: I had a problem with some of those. Yes, Um, that's not how I am. I guess maybe it's just personal preference. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of those shots uh, just tended a little too long for my liking. Mm -hmm. Um, Like the whole introduction itself, and just that one shot. The audio was great, but just that one shot underground, like composition-wise, the opening title sequence. Yeah, the the composition itself was beautiful with the with the reflection right but i just thought that it went way too long through the whole credits it's almost it almost felt like 3 minutes worth of just that one shot with credits rolling out well it was yeah and it just to me that's just it just lingered a little too long
1: well, yeah. I, I feel the opposite way because I'm I'm a fan of longer lingering shots. Mm-hmm. I use lingering shots more in my own work. And this is kind of a conversation that we get into a lot of time when we're editing our own stuff. Because yeah. you want to cut faster than I do. I'm yeah. like, no, hold out for just a little bit longer. It'll make sense. It'll make sense.
0: I mean, I get pacing and all, but... Sometimes it's just like, no, we need to move it forward. A little but faster. really, if you
1: think about it, for in the case of Roma and the in- shot that you're talking about, what else would they have put the opening title sequence over?
0: Well, I don't know. I don't know what, what they had as far as footage. but Well, it, um, I
1: feel because the opening title sequence is just a single shot, like you said, at the ground, and we're seeing reflections off of the ground mm-hmm. and everything. And while giving you the opening title sequence on a background that doesn't distract from What's being read on the opening title sequence? You're also starting to get an idea on what our what's main happening. character's routine yeah. is for the day.
0: And I, I do give it that. I think I think it was a good overall like introduction to, you know, setting the stage, mm-hmm. right? Of what what's what's happening here, and you know, down to the reflection of the plane flying by. Mm-hmm. That was a constant thing in the movie, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess. It's just it wasn't bad it's just not to my liking it's just, just not, not, to not your my preference taste. yeah so but i mean it it was it was a great shot mm-hmm. I, i'm not going to lie and, and the audio that was running along with that um there were in keeping in with the cin- cinematography um aside from the lingering shots there were a few things that i found problematic that i felt like it took away from the characters um just stuff in the background like like the theater um just oh, like almost center stage versus where the characters were was a little pro or the t v when they were at the diner where they were a friend um in the in in uh, their showing i don't I remember what it was it was like a football game or something like that football game <laughs> right not not American football but you know soccer, soccer. <laughs> um it was just i found some of those a little too distracting and i kind of wanted to watch the tv versus actually paying attention to what was happening with the characters
1: well that's another thing i think i'm gonna have to disagree with you on on that mark just because this one roma was a way the film had a way of making a lot of the shots seem really artsy and everything had a purpose for where it was located in the shot I I, i
0: agree with that
1: yeah, so, uh, like, there was a lot of staging going on and just deciding where certain aspects were going to be located. Like, you brought up the movie theater. Was it because um, our main our main character wasn't in the direct center of frame? They were more off to the there, side?
0: They were more to your lower left third, right? Mm-hmm. And I was just, during that whole scene, I was watching what was going on in the movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I I do have to think that what was going you on know, in the movie was relevant
0: after the fact. I agree, because, because once they were you know once they got done talking, or and then the part of the movie showed up, right? It was nice because it kind of related to what just happened in, mm-hmm. the, in 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 the two characters that were there. Mm-hmm. But prior to that, I didn't pay attention at all. Like I kept. Pulling myself away, it's almost like you know how you have a rack focus, right? Mm-hmm. Focusing from one to the other, and forcing your 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 audience to look. I was almost like forcibly forced to look at the 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 movie screen versus the two characters that were on, on my lower left hand side of the screen. There, our viewing area. It was just I was just distracted, and that happened like two two times in we I, I, I can account for, and for me it was just. Because it took me away from what's actually happening with them, and I kept trying to go back, but it kept pulling me away. You know, I still got what happened, but I couldn't concentrate, and that was my issue with it. It kept pulling just kept pulling me away. Maybe it's me. And the way my mind works, i you know, like between us, you like longer shot. I like maybe
1: that's what it came down to because always, the shot was lingering for so long. Maybe you were looking for something. Maybe different. that
0: that could be part of it. But that for me that was a problem because I wasn't paying attention to them anymore. I was just watching the movie that they were supposed to be watching.
1: That's interesting because we we just for that scene in particular, we had a completely different experience watching that scene. Yeah, but I get
0: I get the part where it had a, it had a meaning because mm-hmm. it did come into play, and I got that. But leading up to that point, I kept going back and forth. I was like, I was distracted. I'm like, no, stop. Just pay attention to that. No, but they kept pulling me away.
1: Yeah, because in my opinion, you know how, um, and I'm this, this might not make sense as I'm trying to explain it, but you know how you have those focal point lines in photos that have the intersection points? Mm-hmm. I found that they were sitting in the lower left quadrant of the focus point, and then there was another aspect that was kind of important that was in the upper right quadrant mm-hmm. or in the center of frame.
0: I mean, it was shot well.
1: Yeah. Like that's where I'm kind of going into how everything was planned meticulously. Because I think as for me, our our main couple that we were supposed to be looking at in this particular scene was at a focal point, but more of a focal point that has lead room for where mm -hmm. you're going to be looking next. So as soon as one member of the couple gets up and leaves the frame, now your eye does go to those other focal points because we've been led in the direction of that person's movement Mm -hmm. to follow with our eyes to that point where now we're seeing another couple that's sitting together and we're looking at how they're interacting with each other. And now we're seeing the film that they were watching in the theater Mm -hmm. as more of a focal point as the plot in the film they're watching coincides with what we're seeing in this film.
0: Okay. Right. And not to go off the cinematography mm-hmm. part of it, but I think part of it too, I know it was it was uh, nominated for um, Best Sound or Sound Editing. Yes,
1: best, best Sound Mixing and Best Sound Editing.
0: And I think part of that too is because of the audio. Mm-hmm. Me being an audio guy, it seemed like the audio from the film that they were sitting to watch was just a little bit too tad Loud. And it kept. I think that's part of the reason why I, was, I kept kept drawing me away because. Maybe. And for me as an audio guy, song that was a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Like, the, I'm not saying that, that they don't deserve what they're nominated for because I, I think they did a good job with it, but there were certain things. I mean, no, nothing is perfect, right? And these mm-hmm. are just what some things that stick out to me being you know in in that field that I just think that the audio too itself could have helped distract me from what was actually happening
1: that's a good possibility maybe so
0: and like I said it happened twice I can remember one at the at the diner but with the TV and then the, the movie theater other than that the rest of it I had no issues with it if, if we're going to the, the sound audio, mm-hmm. audio editing stuff I thought it was great all, the rest of the movie like when they're mm-hmm. out outside you hear the wind like almost literally you know behind you mm-hmm. or people like walking around the street selling you know these people selling stuff out in the street, people walking by, people, you know, running across, the wind blowing, the dogs running. I mean, it was all there. Like I felt like I was there watching these people. Mm-hmm. So that was beautiful. Yeah, I personally
1: you know? liked with the the sound editing and the sound mixing, how conversations that were happening on camera and conversations that were happening off camera, off camera yeah. were mixed together, mm-hmm. and how they had like. I want to say symbolism or additional meaning with mm-hmm. how they were put into the film and how we were hearing them.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Like, you know, psychoacoustically, that mm-hmm. plays a lot, you know, in in your psyche when yeah. you're watching something. I mean, you know, y- you know, from stuff that we do ourselves, you know, little things that we do in the audio end of it is designed to draw that emotion, draw yeah. that, that extra bit to draw your viewers, right? Mm-hmm. And they did a beautiful job with it. Yeah. You know, other than those little things I was talking about, I'm just nitpicking here, mm-hmm. you know, because these are the things that that catch, catch my eye or ear. Yeah. Right. So.
1: I think another aspect that they were nominated for that I want to touch on briefly is um, the best production design because the house that most of the film is set in was built to resemble the childhood home of the director, Alfonso Cuaron, because mm-hmm. the story here that he wrote is semi-autogamous, autobiographical semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. it's based off of his own living situation growing up and there's actually um, uh, the For Libo that's at the end it's it's a dedication to the housekeeper that helped raise him mm. I okay. did look that up it's it's dedicated to her
0: and I, I connected with that you know growing up in, in in the Philippines with my grandmother and you know the uh, the house help and you know the nannies I've had and I, I related to the movie because it you know to me that's kind of like how I grew up mm-hmm. you know the you know my nanny or the, my grandma's housekeeper they were part of the family they were they weren't just there be, you know as you know like the help because mm-hmm. they weren't they were yeah. they family right and and I thought I think that um, they brought that out quite well in you know he and his storytelling here and. And how this the the lady the the main character she goes through stuff and you know they were there for her you know good and bad yeah right
1: yeah me personally me personally I'm unsure of really what I take from the story because there was a lot of aspects that hit me and a lot of other aspects that didn't really resonate me resonate with me as much mm-hmm. as I would have liked them too um there was definitely a lot of emotionality to it though like it was a very emotional film like especially yeah. toward the end there's a scene on a beach and it's it's one of the more um well-known promotional images of the film is this family on the beach and that heading into toward the end of the film when we're having this scene on the beach it's it's super emotional and i think that was the most one of the more heavy hitting scenes for me mm-hmm. in it the was film it yeah. was
0: it was kind of it was kind of like the whole it ties the whole film up together. Yeah. For me that's what it did for me, you know. And mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I felt really emotional about it.
1: Yeah, there there's a lot of layers here going into it. There's a lot of things that you can read into it with the main character and how she faces the the things going on in her life and all the situations going on around her because there's a lot of turmoil whether it be within the family that she works with or in the political climate around her in her her own personal life. There's, there's a lot of turmoil that she's going through. And I think there's a lot of things that can be read from how the main character reacts to it all. Yeah. Like I've seen some people say that she takes it with poise and grace. I've seen some people say that she, the character needs to kind of break free from the restraints put on her. There's a lot of a lot of different ways that it can be taken depending on what you're bringing into it,
0: yeah it was a good film. I enjoyed it I'm yeah. glad I'm glad we finally got to see it yeah so
1: it was it was very beautiful
0: I, I would recommend it. I mean if you have a Netflix account, uh, I say go give it a give yeah, it a watch. give
1: it a watch it's a, it's one of the ones that's a little bit more easily accessible at the moment because it is on the streaming platform. But yeah, go ahead and give either Sleepless in Seattle or Roma a shot that we talked about today. Um, maybe we'll do some more viewer polls going forward, anything like that. So look forward to those. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening to our latest episode of Reels on Reels. Until then, I'm Haley,
0: and I'm Eric,
1: and we are Reels on Reels.